And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. So uh, we're here with the world famous Shepherd Fairy. Thank you for uh, sitting down with us today. My pleasure. Came up with a couple questions. Why Obejai? Obejai evolved out of a sticker that I made as a sort of a spontaneous joke to teach a friend how to make stencils of Andre the Giant. But then when I saw the reaction that people had to that sticker, the broad number of interpretations and the fact that because it was placed in public space mysteriously, that it was disrupting what people usually assumed public space should be filled with. And so I started to think about Orwellian, um, you know, governmental control, corporate control, and evolved the campaign from just the Andre the Giant has a posse sticker to something a little more serious about the way that people decide what, um, you know, what laws, what rules, what um, societal principles they'll, you know, they'll submit to it or adhere to and which ones that they're going to question. And I felt that people follow the path of least resistance without thinking and that to confront them with the word obey was really important as part of the process to take something in the ether and make it concrete so that people would have to talk about what they want to obey and what they don't yeah, want to obey. No doubt. That's good. Um, how long have you been on the old Beijing mission? I, well, I started the original Andre sticker in 1989, so that's 32 years now. But it really started to come together as a fully realized you know, street art, social, political poster, um, art campaign, t-shirts, like, a, you know, a full, uh, a fully realized concept a few, a few years in. And I wrote a manifesto in 1990 that talks about phenomenology and some of the other sociological principles, but then how I was going to employ connecting those ideas with people, um, took a little while because I was figuring things out by trial and error. And then also... I was broke. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Those were the days, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts on how you and your movement influence on culture has at times created a backlash of sorts for the establishment? Well, the, the funny thing for where I am with my work is that um, initially, initially I was just seen as a vandal and a public enemy. And then um, I even made a series of prints that were joking around um, called the Urban Renewal Series when I knew that when I knew that I was looked at somebody that was um, a vandal. And then ironically, later street art started to be embraced, and um, and you know now I could be considered you know more part of the establishment. I mean, for in many cases, I felt like I was. I was too street for the corporate world and too corporate for the street world because I employ what I call the inside-outside strategy. I'm willing to work outside the system and bend and break rules. I've been arrested 18 times, but I'm also 
perfectly happy to infiltrate the system and try to use its machinery for my ideals, my beliefs, and change the culture for the better from within. And, um, and I think that very little happens purely in the margins. You have to infiltrate the system. So, you know, I get backlash from every direction, and I'm cool with that because I think through my strategy on things, and it's all underpinned by, um, you know, my, my ethics, my belief system. Um, I don't do anything without thinking it through. I mean, yeah, you said that a few times for good reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, it's important to be able to make a living and a lot of artists are desperate to just find any way to pay the bills. I'm very lucky that I'm at the point now where I get to choose the kind of projects I do, whether it's working with a partner like Levi's, um, you know, who then we also partnered with the ACLU. So of course this is, this is a perfect example of, you know, getting within the, the commercial system and, um, and then proliferating my ideas, uh, supporting the ACLU with the help of Levi's who ha actually happen to be on the same page philosophically. So it's not even that subversive, but then, you know, um, where I put my, where I put my heart, I still choose to do a lot of street art because that connects directly with people who aren't tuned into the fine art world, even though I now have lots of opportunities within the fine art world. Do you view graffiti as a form of social activism? Yeah, I see graffiti and you know pretty much all public art as a form of activism simply in um, the fact that it's mostly an act of defiance, which means that people are saying there should be room for expression in public space, whether it's political in the content or not, the medium is political. And, and, and saying um, this, this venue for expression should not just be isolated to government and deep-pocketed corporations. And so I, I love the, that every bit of graffiti is an act of self-expression and self-empowerment. And I also think that um, when I have the opportunity to, to talk to people about this, that it, it's um, an opportunity to say, hey, but you if you care about things going on in the world, you can use it yeah, for more than self self-promotion but I do think that we all have this impulse to just say in a, in a vast and intimidating world where we feel anonymous like I exist right here and graffiti is one way to do that street art is one way to do that but then I think that taking that further is important and when people the powers that be if you will are criticizing street art and graffiti I always say do you know that these impulses to combat powerlessness frequently have far less positive manifestations than street art and graffiti. You really need to be thinking more about what the big issues are of a lot of people feeling frustrated that the American dream doesn't include them. Yeah. You were originally fascinated by the power of propaganda in all its forms. Do you find it fascinating that you have now become one of the most respected cultural propagandists of our time? I mean, my, my work's always been both critiquing and in some ways um, creating propaganda. I called my work propaganda out of, um, 
an understanding that there's there's an irony because every piece of visual communication has has an agenda. So any of it could be called propaganda. And being honest about the fact that um, in you know in the war for you know hearts minds uh, you know how to how to persuade people to look at things the way you'd like to, to have them look at them that can have a very sinister side or a very benevolent side and I'm um, I'm asking people to digest everything they're confronted with in a thoughtful way as well as being aware that I'm playing the same game yeah if you could name one mural that you've done or building which one is your favorite like what is your favorite outdoor project that you've done? You know, all the murals are really rewarding and I, I love doing them because it changes the cityscape and watching it unfold, even though it's really hard blue collar work is is rewarding. You know, you, you get the end of the day, step back from the wall and it's, you know, it's moving, it's coming together. The, the whole block is looks different. Um, so really each one I'm proud of as I'm doing it when I'm finished. But I have to say that when you're first figuring out how to do this stuff, it's, it's very rewarding. So the Peace Elephant I did in 2011, which was one of my earliest yeah. really big painted murals over in West Hollywood. It was uh, 70 feet high by 100 and, uh, 110 or 120 feet wide, um, so big, that figuring out my, my stencil system and grid and taping um, when I'd never done anything that big was incredibly stressful because I had a five-day window to do this massive yeah. mural, and I was figuring it out as I was going. So the stress of that was the highest, and the feeling of satisfaction upon completion was also the highest. But for me, it's always the next one. The next one's going to be the best. So are we going to do this Muhammad Ali mural? I want to. I love. Yeah, I love so. Muhammad Ali. Having you know, having it in the South is really valuable for pushing not just you know the athlete but the ideas. And um, I just got back from doing a couple of murals in North and South Carolina. I'm from South Carolina, and I think that one, there's not as much mural culture in those places, and two. There are a lot of people who feel that they need a symbol of resistance in a way. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to do Muhammad Ali if we can make it happen. So, if you're a superhero, what is your superhero? <laughs> I'm definitely not a superhero. And, <laughs> but if you are, and um, you know the the. There's so much different stuff that gets me that gets me motivated, but Rise Above by Black Flag has always been what I kind of consider my um, my anthem because um, you know, the, the lyrics uh, "Jealous cowards try to control what we do because they can't do it themselves. Um, they distort what we say. It's just Black Flag." Uh, had all of that attitude and they were they were really fighting against the cops trying to shut their shows down so yeah i always think like rise above and then henry rollins is a major major inspiration for me because he 
he had all that anger with Black Flag, but then channeled that into into writing, into publishing, into acting, into music, into all these different creative endeavors where he's helping to shape the culture. So anger is only valuable if it fuels something meaningful. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.